How do you take care of your health and fitness as a musician? How do you make sure you're always performing at your best? That's what we're going to be looking at in this episode of the New Music Industry Podcast. chatting with fitness and health expert Yannick Tungley. How are you today, Yannick? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for asking. So you mentioned that you used to be a musician yourself and that you had your fair share of health issues. Sounds like there's a bit of a story there. So tell us what happened. Yeah. So I studied music. Um, I went to, um, to college and um, my main focus was double bass and um, production. And, you know, along the way, during my, my um, study time, I developed some, um, some pain in my elbows, in my shoulders. I had some tendonitis. And then uh, it went up um, to the neck and then down the spine. So it became chronic back pains. And I, I did try to, um, to get some support. But um, the, the director at the time in the school laughed at me when I was speaking about um, going to the swimming pool and trying to eat healthy because he was not you know, convinced that uh, jazz music and health or fitness um, goes well together. And later on, uh, when I did my master, it, it, you know, the, the, the school said, yeah, you could do Alexander Technique, but it's actually a program that's uh, reserved for classical musicians. And I was in the jazz department. So it was just there, but I, I really had no support or expert support um, how I could integrate that in my, in my music life and how to make it fit with uh, the instrumental practice. And then... You know, when I when I graduated, I moved to Berlin and I, I did play for a few years um, as a profe- professional musician and did also uh, um, a fair bit of production. And um, it was just, um, you know, coming back and back and back, those, those chronic back pain. And one day I woke up and I remember like, okay, if this is going... Um, going on then I have to choose at some point between my back and the music and even though I, I love music I love my back even more um, because I only have one and around the same time a friend of mine um, wanted to change his his career path and he asked me if I was interested in getting into coaching and I kind of fell in love with it um, for different reasons but because, you know, I was already super interested in understanding how my body fun- functions. And, um, and then it's in applying what I was learning to help other people, you know, get better and have better fitness, better movement, that I really uh, started to love that doing this um, until I decided to go, to go fully into that direction and um and focus only on on coaching and and fitness and because of the pandemic um you know the the gym closed in in germany and are still closed so um i had to find some some different option 
um, to, to do my work. So now I, I work um, online remotely. And because I already did a few workshops um, as far as fitness goes for, for musicians back in Switzerland, um, this is something that kind of came up naturally to, uh, to decide to go with that, with that population. Yeah, so there are some things that can sort of naturally occur as a musician. I don't know if your back pain was necessarily a, a result of that, but like, you know, sclerosis, for example, uh, I have a minor spinal alignment issue, mostly because of playing guitar, right? Now, I even had friends who ended up with hernias because of uh, playing guitar, and I've never found myself in that situation. But it definitely is good to think about uh, what sort of injuries that you could possibly, I mean, you don't want to overthink it or become fearful of it, but it's good to think about what sort of injuries you could sustain. I also had a friend who ended up with uh, tendonitis in his left wrist because of overplaying and overpracticing his, his guitar. So those are the kinds of things that, that can happen. And it sounds like that's kind of part, part of your story as well. Definitely. Yeah. And so, you know, pain is something that is very complex and injuries as well. So it's difficult to say, oh, it was only because of this or because of that. Um, obviously, the, the, the attitude that you have when you are playing and that the, the mind space you're, you're in when you are performing on stage um, definitely has a big influence on, on, on how your body is working. But what was kind of um, interesting and also curious to me, you know, in retrospect, is that there was no, um, in my curriculum, there was no education whatsoever um, in that regard. And when you, you know, when you perform on stage, then you are using your body um, also as a, as a vehicle. Um, so if you play an instrument, then the instrument becomes the, the vehicle, but um, this is something that you you know you use to um, to transmit some emotions, and if the body is not working properly for for different kind of reasons, then the, the performance is not going to be as as good as it could be. And there are some 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 actually quite simple things that you can look at that are going to make. Um, the performance better, but also, you know, from a longevity perspective, um, when you go the, the professional route as a musician, you know how it is. It, it kind of, it's difficult to, um, you know, the finances to, uh, to find the gigs. Um, when you are on tour, you you sit for a long time in the, in the bus, um, and to know how to recover and how to train your body so that you can actually have, yeah, better and, a longer career i think it was it was kind of missing unfortunately yeah you mentioned several things there that i'm definitely going to be circling back to but the thing that caught me for sure and this is always kind of the way that i've thought it's been my paradigm of education that there's always been some missing pieces uh i know it's going to be different in europe than it is in asia where i grew up or even canada and and the states the education system is all a little bit different but there's usually something missing in that equation and you pointed out you can go to music school but where's the physical 
education program? Where's the phys ed? How do I get in shape? And unless you take it upon yourself to integrate that as part of your life, my friend said the same thing. It was so hard to do. You're supposed to meditate. You're supposed to exercise. You're supposed to sleep and you're supposed to practice three hours a day minimum. And somehow you're supposed to work that, all that around your your family life and your girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. So we, we, we definitely got into that conversation. It's tough. It's not, it's not easy to try to balance everything. It's it's difficult, and um, you know, so the the fitness world and the music industry they have some some parallel that are quite interesting, um, and and what what I found or what I see now is that a lot of advices that that are given to musicians is just bad advice, <laughs> you know. So it's bad advice within the fitness industry, and because there's. Yeah, in my opinion, a, a lack of education in that in that aspect um, within the music industry, then the, there's no filter to 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 um, to understand, you know, what is good, what is not so good, and then you end up stressing out because you are thinking, hey, I have to practice, and then I have to meditate, and then I have to do yoga, and then I have to do strength training, and then I have to do cardio, and then I should pay attention to my nutrition. Whereas there are some specific things that you can do that are actually a bit more um, simple and that you could implement very quickly. Also between, you know, between the practice sessions, if you are teaching, teaching between your, your students, if you are um, you know, a producer or recording musicians, then between takes um, that are really going to make a difference in how fresh you are, um, how fast you can recover and so forth and so on. All right. Yeah. And I'm not Jen Saki, but we're definitely going to circle back to that. We're actually going to circle back to some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, you can just share your experience with musicians in the industry at large. And I agree that health and fitness is an important one, but I'm sure some listeners are going to wonder, like, what sort of results have you gotten for yourself and others that would make us stand up and pay attention? Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a difficult question to answer um, because... Um, you know, in terms of pain, then this is something something that is highly subjective, um, and there's no really um, an objective metric to that. So I wish I could say like, a I had a reduction in pain of ninety five percent, and uh, now I can play uh, for twenty hours in a row, and I have I feel nothing. So that's that's not really the case. Um, what I can say though is that you know carrying my bass around um, is is way easier. Um, I'm not tired if I have to to carry my bass amp around. I am not hurting my back if I have to um, to unpack um, the drum of my colleague. That kind of stuff, and I, I do recover much faster from from long sessions um, if I have to play because yeah because I I, I am fitter than before. And this is the kind of stuff that I also see in the people that I work with. Um, that they are, and, and it's funny because they don't really notice it, you know. So they, they do the, the, the program, they do the exercise, they improve the nutrition. And then it's when it's not there um, for whatever reason, because they are, you know, on holiday or because at some point they are going to forget to, to prep their food or to do some, some exercise. And then it just comes back, and then and at that point they realize how big of a difference 
um, it made, you know, to, to be uh, moving more, um, to be paying attention to the nutrition. I hope it's kind of a, you know, a valid answer. Yeah, I think that's, it's a worthy answer. And as you say, I think there are some industries where data sort of seems to apply more or, or results of a coach are a little bit easier to quantify. As a longtime musician, coach, and trainer myself, I can honestly say that's not always the case. It's not always quantifiable in like, okay, my gig revenue went up from 200 to $2,000. Not always, right? The, the difference usually ends up being in like mindset, like how you approach it, how you think about it, how you make sure that you're doing the right things to get the results you want. And that's usually where the biggest difference is in like empowerment. So I, I hear what you're saying. Now, you mentioned earlier that there's some things you can do to make performance, make your performance better. And I'm sure musicians would be wondering what that would look like. So what would you advise? Yeah. So um, let me start by saying this. So I have a performance model. It's loosely uh, based on a performance model from uh, Sir Alan, Alan Watkins. He's a psychiatrist, I, I, I think. And so his model is um, like an iceberg. And at the very tip of the iceberg, you have the performance. And right underneath it, you have behavior. This is what you can see. And then he asks, what is driving the behavior? And the level below that is the psychology. The level below that is the physiology. And then I added two levels to that. One is perception, and the last one is um, your environment. And when we are looking at um, performance, it, it just means um, the state you are in when the form is changed. So this is something that is happening constantly. It's not only like live performance. You know, when you are producing a track, it's also a performance. When you are working on your business, it's also performance. And so I try to use that as a framework so that I can identify um, what's the limiting factor. And, and what I see is that a lot of time, you know, the, the, the physiology is, is a limiting factor, or at least there are something we can improve so that the performance is going to be, um, to be better and also the environment. So as far as physiology, the, the easiest thing you can do is to regulate your nervous system because this is going to have an impact on the way you are, you are feeling, you know, the decision you are going to make, because if you are stressed out, then you take different decisions, but also how you interact with your, you know, with your peers, with your colleagues, with your family. And the fastest way to do this is to, um, to work on your, on your breathing. And most of the time we are a bit stressed out or we are a bit too much in the so-called fight or flight branch of the, the nervous system. And what you can do to go back in the rest and digest mode is to have an exhale that is going to be twice as long as the inhale. So breathe through your nose and then, for example, three seconds in and then six seconds out. And if you do this for a few minutes, then you are going to notice that it's going to be easier to do than four seconds in and then eight seconds out. And then you can do five and 10 and so forth and so on. And this is really going to help you, um, for example, before you go to bed, 
you know, bring down the, the noise that's happening in your head, if that is something that is on your mind or um, between takes or when you practice, it's going to help you have better focus. And if you have an interaction with the students or a business partner, then it's going to be um, to allow you to, uh, to keep your cool and to, to have a different perspective on things. So that's always the first one that I use with everybody I work with. And the second one is um, the nutrition. And what I see most of the time is that people don't enough uh, protein and they don't eat enough, surprisingly, they don't eat enough calories until they do. So what I mean by that is because it's becoming trendier and trendier to eat healthy and to pay attention to, uh, to fitness, we tend to restrict a lot of, of foods that are uh, quote-unquote bad. And then um, we end up having too little calories. And it's actually quite hard to eat enough calories when you're only eating vegetables and, you know, potatoes. And it kind of go on and on and on. And then at some point you are so hungry that you become hangry. And then, you know, just randomly there's a, a, a chips mountain in front of you that you are going to eat or chocolate. It's most of the time either one of those. So um, this is something that I really try to, to pay attention to. And then the, the last one is going to be movement. And movement is going to be, you know, the first thing is going is just going to be to be walking more, um, because especially right now, you know, with the with the lockdown and quarantine, I'm not exactly sure how how it is where you based, but here in Europe, it's pretty much close a lot of it um, still, and it's kind of hard to do enough steps because you are just working so home office or you are in front of your computer. Uh, then go to practice music and doing like 8,000 or 10,000 steps per day is going to make a big difference in how you feel, how your, your posture is, how your back is working, how your mind is working. Every cell in, in your body is going to, um, to work just a bit better. And so that, that's the absolute basic thing that I try to, um, to put in place. You mentioned a lot of great tips there. So yeah. if you missed any of them, listener, go back, rewind, listen to them again. I have some important questions about each of them. First was actually if you have uh, the iceberg diagram, or if you don't, if you could just do up a quick sketch and send it over. I think the listeners would appreciate that. What yeah. Do you think? Um, so right now, you mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, after is okay. But uh, for yeah. when we when we post the content on the website. Sure, I'll send okay, it great. to you. Uh, excellent, thank you. Uh, the other question is, I mean, the whole thing about nervous system, I feel like a lot of musicians are going to relate to that. Many of them wrestle with anxiety. And I also suffered a bit of a burnout uh, September, partly because of overwork and exhaustion, and then partly because of overconsumption of caffeine. I didn't realize that consuming that much caffeine consistently over the long term what the effects of that would be then i thought about it and i said oh of course it's going to affect my adrenals and, and, and my nervous system in a big way that would eventually result in a very unwanted sort of burnout so i mean that's another thing to caution people for for sure right yeah that's that's absolutely that's absolutely true <laughs> yeah yeah 
And what you said about breathing is helpful. I think meditation could be helpful for a lot of people too. Although I do have to throw in a quick disclaimer that we're not giving health advice. <laughs> Always uh, go to your physician for for proper professional care and health advice. But if this helps you, great. The other thing that I'm sure people are going to be wondering, you mentioned protein, and of course that's super important, but people are going to immediately go to like, okay, so I just need to add more steaks and and pork chops and meat to my diet, right? Is that the case or like what's the best source of protein? Yeah, so that's that's a bit, um, you know, context dependent. And I think that um, the the US or in North America, the, con- the meat consumption per capita per year is the highest in the world. And I think it's, it's twice as high as in Germany. So um, it's going to be a bit different, but what I what I recommend is to have at least one serving of some form of meat every day, and I, it doesn't have to be a huge steak. You know, it it doesn't have to be like uh, the the ribeye. So you're in pounds, so it could be you know one pound of ribeye. It's going to be overkill, but but it's something that is going to make a difference. It could be also uh, you know chicken. Um, turkey, it could be game meat, it could be some sort of fish or seafood, um, eggs are also great. And this is actually quite a, a difficult um, subject um, in recent years because uh, especially among artists and musicians, there's a, a big movement pushing um, ve- veganism. And um, so I think if you do this for ethical reason. It's absolutely valid, and you you still um, be absolutely doing this. But as far as nutrition goes, um, it is problematic in in some in some regards, and um, this is one case where you have to to pay really attention to what you are eating, not just a bit, but really be um, accurate to to what your your intake is going to be. But yeah, so. A bit of meat, um, most of the time, lean meat is going to be a better choice. Hmm. Definitely, and I think you you raise an important point there too, which is to listen to your body, right? Like I usually eat very very healthy, and I'm aware when I'm not, which is really helpful <laughs> because mm-hmm. over the years I've modified my diet. It started uh, about three years ago. I started working out with a friend, and then gradually i kind of changed things up in my diet it used to be like i'd throw together a sandwich or so like for a long time it was actually macaroni cheese and ramen which is terrible but i was eating on a budget for a while and gradually upgraded and incorporated other things and uh with my friend then i moved to like you know carbs meat and salad it was kind of a little more of a balanced plate and and eventually i moved completely organic as well but I'm still aware that there's some foods when I eat them, I feel bloated. And if you're feeling bloated or if you're feeling gassy, uh, chances are you're, you're reacting to the food in some negative way. That's not your body just isn't liking. And so it takes, it takes some discipline, I think some mental discipline to notice when you're reacting to something, but that's something I'm, I'm becoming more mindful of myself as, as I continue to work on the, the diet aspect of things. Yeah, this is this is a very good point, you know, being mindful and and listening to your body because so I think most musicians tend to do this naturally that they are a bit more in tune with what that what they are feeling. But sometimes 
the body is constantly communicating and sending signals and sometimes you have symptoms and just ignoring them is not going to change anything about it. So um, so being very mindful of, of what's happening is, is a very good way. So I always, um, you know, encourage people to, um, to actually just have a food log because then when you see like, oh, I had this and this for breakfast and then um, for the next three hours I was bloated, um, then you can, you can kind of connect the dots and also see what's happening, not, not only because this is a very direct connection, you know, so you eat something and then you are bloated. It's like, okay, it's probably what I, what I had for breakfast or for lunch. But what's less obvious is, you know, the, the impact it can have on your, on your mental well-being and on your energy level throughout the day and on your maybe your productivity um, and even some pain i had i had a friend um recently calling me and he's a he's a musician as well and he was speaking about um back back pain between the shoulder blades and so we we talked for a few minutes and then it, it came out that his problem was not so much about the the movement and the posture but it was most probably because of the nutrition because like everything is connected in your body and when you're when the body is, is stressed and it's going to compensate because it's you know it's still going to to be working in the way it can with what you give what you give your body and um just because he was stressed out and um eating too little then um you tend to have a bit more demand on your liver and then it tied to um, his posture and his back pain. And um, this is something that we have to take into consideration. And it's way easier to do this if you are actually tracking, you know, some of the behaviors that you are, that you are implementing. That's fascinating. I love that you said that. It's all interconnected. <clears throat> and that back pain could be the result of diet and not just exercise or things you're doing wrong. That's, that's wonderful. You mentioned recovery, and I imagine sleep is going to be like a really important part of that. But what sort of things should be part of a musician's routine as they look to recover? Mm -hmm. So I think recovery has two parts. So one is the actual recovery. And then the other one is to prevent that you have to recover from too much. You know, so at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be stress management. And because there is only so much that we can take in in one day. And if you are stuffing yourself with, you know, with life, um, it could be coffee, it could be um, too much food, it could be too much information, it could be, uh, you know, binge, binge watching Netflix. It could also be, you know, uh, listening to a, a lot of very loud music. This is going to um, to ju just have an exciting effect on your whole body, and then it's going to take longer to um, to recover from it. So sleep is definitely one big player, and there are a few things that um, that I think are also backed up by science um, is to not watch um, very bright lights between the hours of eleven p.m. and four a.m. And um, this has a suppressing effect on uh, dopamine production. So this is going to be not only for your recovery, but also, you know, for your, for your mental health and mental well-being. 
and your motivation um, and drive on the next day. So to have those uh, four or five hours where you are very disciplined and strict to not have too much bright light is going to make a big difference. As far as, you know, quantity of sleep, it's kind of difficult because <laughs> I remember listening one of your one of the, the episode of your show with, I think it was um, Andy Seth. And he was he was saying that that he was um, sleeping five hours per night, which you know for, for me it would be too little, <laughs> uh, but he seems to be doing great with that. So this is something that is that is also a bit individual. But what I like to to have in mind is falling asleep should take no longer than ten minutes. You should be able to sleep through, and when you wake up, um, you should be ready to go and. If you need like a ton of coffee or Red Bull or that kind of stuff to get you going, that then maybe you are not really recovered the way the way you could be. And yeah, and then the the, the other yeah. part, like I said, it, you know, so um, trying to not put too much in your in your bucket is going to um, is definitely going to help you recover a bit faster. Excellent tips. Yeah, I think in Andy's case, maybe he has a sleep mutation, or maybe he's just able to make up for it in, in deep, deep meditation. But I hear you. I think music industry people or musicians in general are probably some of the hardest working people there are. You know, you look at a band like Kiss, and they just never stopped. You look like a, a band like Rush, and they they would tour and tour and tour and tour in the early days, nonstop until they could build a fan base. So I think it's it's maybe challenging sometimes for musicians to find that balance. Sometimes I find myself, if I go too far to one end, then I'm like, okay, I took on too much or I'm trying to do too much or I'm like, I'm actually doing things that are not effective. And so I, I have to remind myself to rein it back in and go, what's the 80-20, right? But what are, what are some tips that you have for musicians maintaining balance? That's a very good question. So just to tie it in to the to the recovery part, you know, uh, I think one thing that is super important is to um, to be good with the with the the planning of the when you are going to recover because obviously if you are on tour or if you have you know hard deadlines for a project, say you are you are doing some music for for a movie for example or a video game or for an album, and you have super strict deadline that you have to respect then it's not realistic to just expect you to be sleeping like your nine hours um, every night when you come closer to the deadline. So what's important though is then afterwards to have a, to have some times that is going to be strictly for your recovery and, and, and be able to, um, you know, to recenter yourself, to, uh, to take care of you, to, to be less hectic and, I think this is something that is, I think that would be like the most important thing because I'm not here to say like to every musician, so, hey, you have to stop to do the thing that you are doing, <laughs> you know, because obviously when you're on tour, it's not possible to always sleep like a baby. So I think that would be the most important one. Then when you have like a normal um, working routine, I think planning the downtime is also super important because we are pretty good at planning the, the work um, the work block, but then, but then when it comes to, to recovery and with recovery, I just mean like, um, how it's called intentional disengagement. <laughs> um, this is from Andrew, uh, Huberman, by the way, he's a neuroscientist from, um, Stanford. 
And, you know, it's the ability to go very hard in, in one direction, but then go very hard in the other direction, in the recovery part. And it could be whatever is working for you. So it could be Tai Chi, it could be playing chess, it could be reading a book, it could be listening to some music, it could be, um, you know, going um, for a walk in, in nature. Um, those are all going to to help, and it works better when you when you make time for it and you plan it in your in your schedule. I love that advice so much, and I'm gonna definitely start incorporating some of this stuff. I'm gonna see if I can get my eight thousand steps today. And I'm also when I'm doing my planning, I do my planning every Sunday. I'm gonna look at when I need to make sure I'm recovering. Intentional disengagement. I like it a lot. You mentioned good advice for musicians. I I think this is going to depend a lot on, and maybe you mentioned a lot of this stuff already. It's probably going to depend a lot on the musician, if they're a singer, if they're a guitarist, if they stand up, if they play sitting down, all that kind of stuff. But what are some general good tips for musicians and their their fitness and health? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, you know, that the body is very adaptable. And it adapts to to what you um, make him do. So if you are stuck in the same position for the for for the whole day, then it's going to adapt to that, and which is great because you can you can become very very good at playing the piano or playing the drums. Um, but then you also lose some some capacity to um, to do different things, and I think because playing music is highly um, specific and you become very specialized, then the first thing you could do is just to um, to do movements that you don't normally do. So, for example, if you are a guitar player or even a drummer, or I think almost any instrument, you, you have most of the time your arms just in front of you. And um, so what you could start doing is just to bring your arms overhead, you know, and... and even starting doing this without weight is going to be um, to be something that is going to be helpful. Now, um, obviously, we also spend a lot of time sitting. So standing up and doing some squats, for example, is great because it's going to bring your, your hips um, and your knees into position that you normally don't, don't really use. And this is also going to have a positive influence on your back because you are really connected from your heels to your head. So if you can move, you know, the whole chain, it's going to be to be great. And because right now, um, a lot of gyms are, are closed in my, in my area, in my part of the world. Um, I just start with, with a lot of bodyweight exercise. And uh, I try to find whatever weight uh, I can and, you know, put, put them in a backpack, for example, and use that as a, as a weight. So the most basic thing you can do is going to be squats, push-ups that are great, and some sort of ring movement, rowing movement. And for that, I use a towel, and I put it around um, the the door, and then I I just roll uh, back and forth. And those are like the most basic basic thing that you can do, and and it's going to be um to be helpful for you. If you can do pull-ups, then then that's great. Then do pull-ups. Excellent tips. Uh, you know, push-ups, I think a lot of people can do them. I have quite a bit of body weight and I sit all day with my hand like this on my mouth. 
And so when I go to do push-ups, I just end up overworking my wrist. I notice this. Mm-hmm. So like I, I'm a little bit easier on my wrist, but I try to find other ways to strengthen my wrist and my hand. And uh, But I guess, again, it's going to be individual. But for most people, I could see that, you know, it's, it's a really great work exercise to do. Mm, yeah. So there's one thing that is super important. So I'm, I'm a big fan of strength training because it's going to, it's super time efficient and it's going to give you also more endurance because if you have more um, like strength is like wealth and if you have um, $10,000 in your in your bank account and you spend 100 then it's not the same as if you have $1,000 in your bank account and you spend $100. And if you are stronger, it's like having a bigger um, saving account. So it's easier for, do, for you to be doing everyday tasks. So we always try to be super progressive in the way that we uh, we exercise. And in, in you know your particular example of, of doing the push-ups, what you could do is um, to start doing push-ups but incline. So your heads, your hands are on the table that's at um, hip height, for example. And then you start from there. And when you've done two weeks of that and you manage, you know, four rounds and 10 reps, then you go down one step with your hands uh, at knee height. And then when you're good with that, then you go, um, you go on the floor. And at that time, your, your, your wrist and your, the muscles of your forearm are also going to adapt and give you the ability to be doing like normal push-ups. Thank you. I love that. I'm going to give that a try. Prescription from Yannick. (laughs) Health is wealth. I agree. I love it. I love it. So, you know, it's all well and good to exercise and work out and take care of yourself. Is it ever possible to overwork? And is there a point where just too much is too much? Yeah, that's that's a very, very good question. Um, So, you know, the, the, the body has a f- finite uh, capacity to adapt. And there's that, that analogy of stress bucket. And when the bucket is full, then it's going to spill over. And, and you know, the, how do you say the shit hits the fan? <laughs> and when we consider, you know, working out, then we have to consider everything that's, that's happening in, in, in your life. And um, because... Working out is a stress and your body is going to adapt to that stressor and become stronger so that the next time you try to, um, to work out or to do that exercise, you can, do, you can do just a bit more. And um, if you have a lot going on, because like I said before, uh, you are on tour or you have hard deadlines or you have a project that you are finishing or you are starting a business, for example, then it's it's a bit more difficult to um to be working out and to go all in during your workout. But in terms of number, what I try to do is is to have people work out three to four times per week when it's possible. And sometimes I'll just have to reduce it, either the frequency or the volume of work we are going to do uh, during a workout. So instead of doing four rounds of push-ups then maybe you just you do just two because you know you have other works to do or you are stressed out because you just had a breakup or you know for, for what whatever reason or because we have a, a pandemic starting. Um, 
So we we have to to um to pay attention to that kind of stuff as well. You're a wise man, Yannick. I love this. <laughs> so to round out this interview, are there any books that have helped you on your journey? Um, I, I was expecting that question. There there are a few, and I think one that has been pretty useful and that I found very good is um, "It Takes What It Takes" by Trevor Moad. And it's a, it's a mindset book and he's worked, um, he works in the, mostly in the field of, um, elite athlete and athletic performance. And, um, yeah, just the whole attitude, um, you know, even in the title, uh, it takes what it takes. So if you want to bring your best performance, then you are going to do kind of whatever it takes to, to get there. And in most cases, it's going to be a bit easier than what we might, might be thinking. And one, one example in the book is um, of Michael Johnson, who was at one point the, the fastest man on, on earth. And he was just saying, like, I do, I do set goals, and, um, <laughs> but not using like smart acronym or, um, you know, objective and, and key results or that kind of stuff. But he was just saying, like, I noticed that when I do the grocery, if I have a list, then I, I need eight minutes. And if I don't have one, I need 30 minutes. And this is super easy. This is super practical. And, you know, having that kind of attitude and mindset towards a lot of things that we do is going to help, um, you know, s- save some time and energy and, and resources. So I think this is something that, that's been great. And I also have two other books in mind. Um, one is called Just Listen, and the other one is called The Coaching Habits. And I think they are very important because um, I don't remember exactly who the uh, the authors are, but like communication is so important, especially nowadays. And the way we speak with ourselves, and you know, obviously with our surrounding is going to be important, but also with ourselves is something that is super, super important and that can also generate a lot of stress and, um, you know, feeling unwell and connecting that to the music. You know, you said it yourself, like there's a lot of anxiety going on, especially right now because um, it's difficult to to foresee what's going to happen to the the whole um, live music industry and how it's going to evolve. And the way that we speak to ourselves and to our um, surroundings is, I think, is super, super important. And those two books are, are great to, um, to have a different perspective on that and to ask better questions and have better interaction with, um, with other humans, which I really think I, can st- I cannot stress it enough how important I think it is. I love that you thought about this question. And I also love that you weren't afraid to make recommendations outside of music. So often guests will come on and go, oh, music books, I'm not really sure, but they've read all kinds of great self-development or, or business books. And we're always open and happy to have those types of recommendations as well. As far as music books go, get Ari Hurstan's, get Donald Passman's, get Jesse Cannon's. They're all amazing books. And get all of my books. I'm not trying to be selfish. I just think they're pretty good. And I want to know what I'm doing wrong and I know what I'm doing right. So listeners, get all my books. Seriously, I'm not kidding. They're they're for you. I wrote them for you. So you're going to get something out of them no matter what, I think. 
Having made it to this point of the interview, what next steps should the listener take to improve their fitness and health? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, so I think, you know, I think that um, doing the, the, the uh, breathing exercise that I gave you at the beginning, just 10 minutes a day is going to, to make quite a significant difference. Um, you know, if you, do that, if you do that before you go to bed, for example, or before you, you eat, is really going to, to change a few things for you. Um, trying to hit those eight or 10,000 steps. I know 10,000, it's, it's also, um, it takes a bit of time to do it. Um, eight is realistic for most people. So I would, I would strongly suggest to do, um, to do this. And then as far as nutrition goes, um, there are, there are six behaviors that I, that I always recommend. So here we go. Um, the first one is going to be um, eat real um, real meals and try to not snack. Then the second one is try to eat regularly, like every four to five hours. Uh, it might mean that you have to eat four times a day. It's absolutely fine. The next one is going to be um, have some lean protein um, every day because this is going to make a big difference. Um, vegetables, uh, I, I try to shoot for 600 grams. I think it's like one or one and a half pound of, of vegetables. Um, this is doable and this is going to make a big difference um, in, in how you feel in your digestion, um, in your yeah, um, hunger feeling. So the, the next one is going to be... Um, eat until 90% full. So try to, to not stuff yourself <laughs> that you are in a food coma and you have to lay on the couch because it, it was so much food. And the last one, um, if, you can, if you can eat like 80% unprocessed food, um, then, then it's going to be absolutely fine to have 20% of, you know, quote-unquote fun food and if you do the math if you are eating three times per day it's going to be 21 meal in a week and um, 80 80 90 percent of that is going to be 18 uh, meals are going to be spot on and then three you can do pretty much whatever you want and if you implement that then it's going to make a, a big difference i love it you're a man with a plan that's terrific. Thank you for your time and generosity, Yannick. Is there anything else I should have asked? I was also expecting that question. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. That's, that, yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, but I don't have an answer for that. So if if people are interested in in my work and getting fit, or you know, learning more about how the What's the connection between music making and fitness? Um, they can so I do everything on Instagram. Um, my handle is um, I am Coach Yannick, Y A N N I C K. Mm -hmm. um, don't hesitate to contact me if you have any questions. Um, yeah. Are you feeling pumped up yet? then why not get pumped up some more? I just published the first issue of our first digital magazine called The Renegade Musician, and right now it's pay what you want. 
This offer only lasts until the end of March, so if you're ready, head on over to gum.co slash renegademusician to claim your copy. That's gum.co slash renegademusician. This has been episode 227 of the New Music Industry Podcast. I'm David Angelique, and I look forward to seeing you on the stages of the world. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. Thank you.